Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. I'm your host, Darren McDuffie. Hope everybody's doing good tonight. I myself am doing swell. I um, am very excited because Swamp People came back on, and I'm a big fan of Swamp People. I don't know how many of you out there listen to that, but I, I do listen to I do watch that. So I'm very excited about that show coming back on. I, I get excited about little things. That's all I get excited about. So just wanted to share that with you and hope that you're having a good evening tonight. Tonight we're going to have Dr. Lynn Lafferty on the show, and I know Dr. Lafferty, uh, Lafferty personally. She's a friend of mine, waiting for her to call in. But while I'm waiting for her to call in, I'm going to get a few announcements out of the way. If you have not checked out my blog, please go and check that out, I'mTheFatMan.com. I just should have blog last week on Thinking Outside of Prescriptions, where I share um, a call that I did with Danny Walker. and You can go back and check that, that call back in the archives and listen to how Danny helped her husband uh, helped her husband through an autoimmune disease known as sarcoidosis. And she did a lot of research and found out what was working for him and what wasn't working for him. And she totally pulled him off of prescriptions and he was able to put the autoimmune disease back in, in remission just using uh, things in a diet and certain type of supplements. So go and check that out. I did a blog on that as well. And uh, within that, I discuss uh, my personal plight of uh, my mother. And uh, for those of you who've been following me for any amount of time, you know that my mom passed away from uh, breast cancer. And I share that with you in there and how I started to start thinking outside of prescriptions. So go and check that out. If you have not connected with me on uh, Twitter, please do that. My uh, Twitter handle is the fat. that's P-H-A-T, underscore man. So connect with me on uh, Twitter. Also, uh, please connect with me on Facebook. If you have not liked my Facebook fan page, uh, please do so. The Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. So you can go in there and I... Uh, generally, I post uh, different stuff in there, and when I post that stuff, um, it's just helpful tips and things that you need to know. I just posted something today about if you uh, have contact lenses and you have a uh, eye infection, uh, there's a product that I use called Silver Hydrosol made by Solvent Silver, and it saved me a couple of times when I've had a couple of uh, eye infections, and instead of just going to the ophthalmologist and sitting in there waiting to get a prescription, I tend to use that. And you can use it for all sorts of things. You can use it for eye infections. They also have one if you have sinus problems. And I don't make any money from the product. I just generally like to pass on helpful tips to you uh, if I can get you to stop using prescriptions or going to uh, prescriptions and use something natural. I want to always point you towards that. So, let me see if this is Dr. Lafferty uh, on the line. Dr. Lafferty, Hello? is that you? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. I can hear you great. Okay. So, great. Yeah. Yeah, I was just giving some announcements, but um, uh, those announcements are over. So let's just get into the show and welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, Dr. Lafferty. Thank you for inviting me. It's exciting Thanks. to be on with you. 
for the audience out there, um, can you tell us how you started your, your health journey? Um, yes, I um, am a pharmacist. I went to school at University of Georgia, and I got my doctorate at Nova Southeastern University. And um, I got very ill when I was in my late 30s, um, and I was put on a drug that uh, I, I had something simple, actually, was a fibroid, and they put me on a drug that made me very ill. And so I had uh, many medications, surgeries, um, one mishap after the other. And I had um, read a book, a cancer book, and my mother, fortunately or unfortunately, got cancer. And she went to a naturopath who had helped my cousin to heal himself from cancer. And when I went there, the naturopath said to me, you know, you should be doing these herbs and diet um, or you're going to end up like your mother. So um, that's what I did. I went on the diet and herbs. And I had gone to the best hospitals, Stanford, uh, UC San Francisco. They're rated the top medical schools in the country. They're always in the top five. And um, got no help, just got sicker and sicker. Went to a naturopath in three months. I felt better. So I went back and I studied the pharmacology of how herbs work and um, naturopathic medicine. So that's how I started my health journey. Cool, cool. And I didn't know something about you. I know we talked at, at, at length, and, and Dr. Laffrey is actually my friend for you, you, those of you out there listening. I did not know you were a chef, so you're going to have to cook something for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yes, I had I, no I idea you were like, a chef. Yeah, I studied in, uh, in San Francisco. As a matter of fact, a, a very good friend of mine who's one of the top chefs, he's cooked with many of the top chefs, uh, he grew up in the housing projects, didn't speak a word of French, and he took himself to Paris and landed there, and he cooked in Europe and with the, some of the top chefs for 20 years, and then he came back and was a chef in the top restaurants in San Francisco, so he taught me a lot of things about cooking, but of course, I'm also Italian, so we learned to cook at a young age when you're Italian as well. You're, you're a jack of all trades, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about because I know when you and I talked, you were very adamant about talking about the consciousness of disease. Can you kind of explain that to us? Um, explain that to the audience rather about what you mean when you talk about the consciousness of disease. Well, I think as more and more information is coming out about the human body, about energy, about um, quantum physics, um, that we're more and more learning that every cell in our body works almost as a computer, as, if you will, and that it's programmed by a, maybe a certain vibration or a certain frequency, and um, drugs can disrupt those uh, frequencies, homeopathy, which we've um, is a type of um, very diluted um, product, if you will. It's so diluted you can't even detect that it's in the solution. But is there a vibration still left behind that it somehow helps the cells repair themselves? So um, we're learning more and more about that. 
So a few things I noticed. When I was in pharmacy school, we actually, our last year we were with medical doctors, we were with the medical students, and we just went on rounds all day long in the hospital. And when I saw cancer patients, they were so kind of quiet and polite, and they would say to the nurse, oh, nurse, uh, excuse me, but you um, didn't bring my 7-Up. Could you please do it? I've kind of been waiting an hour, you know, just very sweet and kind of genteel. And then when you'd go into the cardiac ward, the people would be screaming at the nurses and maybe cussing even, who knew. So I was like, wow, these diseases really have different personality types and personalities of who who are affected by that. So that was one thing that I, um, you know, I learned um, at a, a very young age. I just had a had a epiphany and really witnessing that and really being an observer of the patients, you know, and how they would interact with different um, treatments or different people um, were very interesting. Um, then the second thing I noticed was, um, you know, uh, when my patients would come to me with a very... Um, with a crisis illness, um, is it really your soul asking you for a course correction? Because that's really what I felt for myself. I was on a very disruptive, very anxious, anxiety-producing course. I had my own business. It was collapsing. Um, I was worked, uh, wrote four books in drug education. I w- went all over the state of California um, training teachers, selling my books, and um, my life was just really full of angst and anxiety, and I believe that my disease was really a time for me to reflect upon what did I want, and even as my mother, when I took her to this naturopathic doctor, my mother was very intuitive, and when we came out of the office, I said to her, well, what do you think about what he's asking you to do, and she said, well, I think that if I want to live, I need to do that. She goes, what do you think? And I said, I think your, um, my mother's life was, was full of angst and anxiety. And I said, I think that um, you are coming up for a change, whether you do it in this body or in the next, you make a trans, uh, you know, a transfer over to another type of, I believe, life, a spiritual life. Um, that's going to be up to you. So um, I think that that's what I've witnessed with a lot of my patients. Yeah, Ken, and I want to ask you this question, and you and I have talked at length sitting, you know, sitting at your house, but um, do you think disease, you described uh, that you were on a different path in life and you were running around the state of California teaching and you had so much anxiety, do you think a person who doesn't follow their passion in life, is, does that make them more susceptible to illness if you're not doing what you really love to do? Oh, I would say absolutely, you know. I mean, and this isn't um, something that's just, you know, not in the medical literature. We know that people who have 
more stress in their life are more uh, prone to relapsing to an addictive disease or we know that women who work at night and um, aren't in their natural circadian rhythm are more likely to get breast cancer. I mean, there's a lot of information. I could go on and on about that. So I think that um, definitely, I also think there's, there's so much fear um, in the world today, in every place you go, you're reminded of fear. Uh, whether you're in the gym, it's, you know, one of the news networks. If you're in the dentist's office, it's a news network. If you're in the, you know, wherever you go, the airport, it, it's this bombardment of negative information, it seems like, coming to you, programming you, uh, with this, and I think that's why they call it television programming because it's programming you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't get, you know, empowerment messages. We don't hear. We we're constantly, you know, run for cancer, do this for cancer, 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 and we're getting the negative. We're not uh, learning about the people who reversed their cancer, who did spontaneous remission with prayers and things. And those things happen every day. We're just not hearing about it. And a lot of times patients don't even want to talk about it to the regular doctor because the doctor will just say poo-poo it, if you will. And I think a lot of what goes on with doctors is they just don't, they don't, when they don't understand it, or anybody, when you don't understand something and you're supposed to be an authority, then um, they may not be able to handle the information themselves. So there's, um, I find that because I use a lot of supplements and things that the people don't even want to tell their doctor that they're using them because they're afraid of what the doctor might say about that. Yeah. Should, should cancer be a death sentence or is that something that's trying to wake you up? I mean, you said that you, you had a, a, a relative that uh, his cancer went into remission and I've often wondered if just cancer is that way of just saying the body saying, hey, we, something's going wrong here. We need to wake up. What are your feelings on that? No, I, I think that any type of – and I, I don't think cancer is the worst disease that I've worked with. I work with chronic fatigue patients, and they're, to me, usually even sicker than cancer patients, although they don't – well – they don't die, I guess, soon, but they're not put on chemotherapy either. Um, so um, I find that um, I think all, even when you're faced with a divorce or any type of thing that comes to your life, that you're, it, it's a course correction, it's time for you to take an inventory, what's important, what's not important, and I think the other portion of that is believing that you can reverse the disease. I, we have this big map of the human body of every biochemical reaction, and it's about four feet long by about three feet wide. And every single one of those reactions, they go both ways. So you, whatever caused the dis-ease, can be reversed. I mean, I believe that. I've seen it. I've seen cancer reversed before. I've seen, you know, a lot of diseases that they say there's no cure or whatever. And a lot of times if you go to the medical library, it's very interesting. Actually, 
it'll talk about something that causes that disease that is not even thought of today in medicine. So it's it's a very interesting paradigm that we're under right now. Yeah. Have you worked with anybody, um, and you mentioned this to me before, um, that just did not want to heal? Uh, for some odd reason, uh, their soul is telling them that yeah, I, I just don't want to heal. I think that, um, first of all, I don't think anybody says, oh, you know, I want cancer. So I, I don't know. I think everyone at some point in their life has thought, oh, you know what, I'm ready for this to be over, you know. So I don't, I also, not that you're really suicidal, but I think that we've all had those kind of thoughts when we've, we're always, all, everyone's been faced with really bad problems in their life. Um, so I think that, um, I think that, I don't know, I, just as a witness, I always find that anything's possible. And I do find that if you pray or you meditate or whatever it is that you might do, um, it, 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 something will come for you, but it may not come in the way you think it's coming. And um, then you're blocking, you might be blocking it out. I also have found that people, um, I had a cancer patient and I kept pushing her in a way of, why she thought she she was dying because she was dying and she's mm-hmm. like no no I'm really spiritual and everything and we're I was just keep talking talking and then I said well how's your relationship with your husband and she just started saying I can't stand him I've got to get away from him I've been with him 30 years I've got to get out of here and so there's there's some underlying information there that I think was really important. She chose not to explore that, and she did make her transition and 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 passed. And that's okay too, you know, because uh, we're a soul living um, this human experience for a short period of time. I, I personally believe that you are you're always a soul and you're always a consciousness. So you're just transforming into a different energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, after you pass, so that's my my belief system. Yeah. How much of how much of this is you work with patients on a daily basis? And how much of this is having a positive belief that you're going to heal? We're talking about all this stuff about beliefs, but um, my experience with talking to a lot of people is if, if they have something that's a cancer, diabetes, or something like that. It's as if they take on that diagnosis. They begin to become the disease. How much is this dealing with a belief that you can overcome versus just saying, okay, I got this, this is what I want to have, and this is me? Yeah, it's very scary, isn't it? Yeah. How we <laughs> they become the disease and how much they identify, people identify with that and so, and a matter of fact, it's, it's kind of interesting. I remember one day I was sitting waiting for my friend for lunch, and we were at, I was at a different university medical school, and, and I was, there were a bunch of, they were all women interns, um, medical doctors who were um, internists. And um, the one woman came in and said, oh, my gosh, that lady's so important. So um, so happy, I finally gave her a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which really means 
nothing more than muscle pain. That's what it means in, when you translate it from the Latin, muscle pain. And um, she was so happy to have this diagnosis. Now, I'm also a naturopathic doctor. And in naturopathic, we really don't make diagnosis because it's, it's a whole different way of looking at the body. But it, to me, it makes more sense that symptoms are imbalances and those are clues. They're all those different symptoms that you have in a disease, they're all clues to things that are going on in a functional way. So with functional medicine, what we look at is we go back to our science, we go back to physiology, and we go back to biochemistry, and we look at what is going on on that level and how can we make a correction. And a lot of times the answers are in the plants because the plants were really made for our body. I mean, we're made to eat those plants and herbs and whole food um, as well. You know, they, they, the Germans 200 years ago started using animal tissues. But even before that, it was more scientific, but even before that, you know, uh, people made chicken soup because the bones in the chicken have um, that's where your white blood cells are made in your bone marrow so you get immune factors out of the bones or um, things like that so all of that was really designed for our body and it was designed for our biochemistry so that's why I find that the plants are so harmonious and our creator you know again there's a big spiritual component to naturopathic medicine or naturopathy and um, really looking at the divine creator and how it all resonates together and being in appreciation for all of that, you know. And um, I think um, all of that is very important to your well-being. So we've got this, D-I-S, and then you put a slash ease. So the body isn't it, is it at ease. And we've got the mind, body, and spirit. And then we can talk about the well-being, the person, the being, being well. Is the environment well? Is the water well? Is the air quality well? Is the um, psychological factors, are, are, they feeling, are you feeling well? That's the well-being piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I see someone in the switchboard. If you have a question, please hit one so I know you have a question. Otherwise, you, you're just listening. But the number... So call in if you do have a question is 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. And for the person that is on the switchboard, if you have a question, please hit the number one so I can see if you have a question. All right, so um, Dr. Laffrey, let's talk about the power of the mind. Um, I know you, you've heard about the placebo effect. Um, how much of this is, is the mind involved? Is the mind... Can, the, can we heal ourselves with just our mind? Um, I believe you can, but I'm working on a book right now called, Manif- well, a part of it's going to be called Manifesting Mathematics. So we're so programmed with disempowerment uh, that we can't do this and you can't do that and you can't say this, you can't say that. We're so we're so programmed with that that I think anything is possible, but we have to really dwell deep at what our belief system is 
to break that down in order to have a different result? I think the answer is absolutely because, uh, you know, uh, the chemicals in our body, well, this is the other thing that I think is so funny. When my colleagues, some of my colleagues don't believe in herbal medicine, or, you know, they, I don't know, now they all do and come and see me as uh, patients, but, um, you know, oh, I don't believe, I used to get that more, more five years ago. So, oh, I don't believe in that. And I'm, say, well, you're lucky the pharmaceutical companies don't feel that way because almost every drug that you see comes from a chemical structure that's in the human body or a chemical structure that's in a plant. That's how come they work. Now, they might add another chemical to that to make it stronger or to make it absorbed better out of your stomach or something else, but really, you have a whole pharmacy um, great example, methamphetamine is only one carbon different than your own epinephrine in your body. And a matter of fact, ephedrine is only, you know, um, one, mole- one, I think, hydrogen or double bond, I don't remember my organic chemistry, and that's what they make, the methamphetamine. That's why you can't get Sudafed anymore over the counter because people make methamphetamine out of that. So all of those things that are in our body, they're very strong, and they're also very, they're also addicting. Um, People, uh, when they're in war, they get very addicted to cortisol, which is um, basically the chemical name of cortisol is hydrocortisone. So... um, when these people come back from Iraq, for instance, the first thing the the soldiers usually go do is they'll go buy a motorcycle and drive it 100 miles an hour to get that buzz that they got the whole time they were over in Iraq from having that high cortisol. So they're trying to just feed the same thing, trying to feed the same animal, so to speak. Right, so you're, you get addicted to that. You know, you, you've heard of the runner's high, people that right. run and they get high. And uh, so, yeah, the, the mind is, is very powerful. And as a matter of fact, a lot of these pharmaceutical companies are getting frustrated because the placebo effect, for whatever reason, is getting stronger and stronger. But I remember when I got out of pharmacy school, we used to make placebos. And I, don't, I haven't seen that done in... 15 years, but we used to make placebo capsules all the time for patients. Yeah. With someone who has a debilitating disease like a cancer or a diabetes or, you know, any number of autoimmune diseases that are out there, what's the, what should be their mindset? Um, you mentioned that cardiac patients were screaming at people, cancer patients were more polite, but if I come in to you and I'm like, okay, well, Dr. Lafferty, I have cancer. What should be my mindset at that point? Well, for me, it is um, getting you to believe that anything's possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, um, you know, I ask my students that um, the first day that they work with me. If, if you're told that you are going to die from cancer in three months and you believe it, what do you think happens? They say, well, you'll probably die in three months, right? What if you say, no way, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to fight it, I'm going to do what I can, I know I'll find a way. 
um, you'll probably find a way if it's sincere. You have to be really real with yourself. So I think that's that's the second most important, knowing that there is a, a way. And I think being really real with yourself and saying, okay, what? why would I have brought this into my space at this time in my life, you know? And um, just like the lady, I mean, she was denying, denying, and then it came out that she really was tired of her husband, and I guess she just didn't see a way of going down the divorce road or whatever. And and I don't judge any of that because we're all, you know, we're just all having experiences in this body. So everyone is a sovereign citizen, and they, they get to experience what they want. But I ask people to be conscious of of what it is, you know, that they might be ex- wanting to experience. So I've, that's what, what my belief is. And I, I've had a great deal of success with that. You know, and these chronic fatigue patients, that a lot of them haven't even gotten out of bed for, I had a patient, she hadn't been out of bed in two years. So one of the things I do, I give them a 200-question symptom survey. And, um, you know, I'll talk to them in three or four days or a week or two weeks later, and they're like, well, I haven't gotten any better. You know, they're really upset. And then I go back to that symptom survey. Now, they're focusing on they're still not sleeping, so things aren't better. But when I ask them, well, you know, you were constipated, you were going twice a week, and they're like, oh, no, now I'm going twice a day. It really is great, you know. Or, um, yeah, that pain in my toe is gone, actually, now that I think about it. Or, well, I'm, I have got a little more energy. So keeping them focused on the positive and having them see that, hey, things can change for me. They haven't changed in two years, but now I see that they've changed. I had an MS patient who started walking better, and she said, I'm really afraid. And I go, what are you afraid of? And she said, I'm afraid. I know I'm getting better, but it scares me because what if I'm not really getting better? So um, that uh, there's a lot to that. And, and as she started getting better, and this is, this is very interesting because, you know, MS, there's no cure or whatever, but if you go to the medical library and you put in anaerobic bacteria, you'll see that, there, that, that um, yes, there's some evidence now that MS can be caused by uh, anaerobic bacteria, and there's other evidence that actually the, an, the natural antibiotics work better than the regular ones do. Um, So she just started getting better. And then what happened, matter of fact, there was a physician, a medical doctor working with me on the case, and he couldn't believe it. And the, the next thing, after she started getting better, she now, she had used a cane her whole life. And I could see she really didn't need the cane. So she had to now go to physical therapy because that cane was her safety uh, measure for 10 years that she was on the cane. So, you know, there's, again, we're mind, body, and spirit. So we have to look at all of those things. We're so focused on the body, but we're not focused on the mind. And maybe, you know, I do find that a lot of doctors because if they don't know what to de- how to deal with a condition, they'll tell the person, oh, go see a psychiatrist. So maybe they'll go see a psychiatrist and uncover something there with the mind. But the soul, uh, we don't talk about 
the spiritual aspects of medicine. The only time those two spiritual, anything spiritual is brought in is with um, drug addiction and when you're dying through hospice. Otherwise, uh, they really don't bring in spiritual aspects of medicine. Now, you know, universities are starting to teach that a little bit to the doctors of um, compassion and uh, different things, family dynamics and, and things like that with patients. And integrative medicine is very interesting because integrative medicine right now in the, is really big. The, the place it's the biggest is in the military. And uh, a friend of mine, she just got a billion dollars, created a department in the VA called Patient-Centered Care. And they are, what they're doing is they're asking patients what's important to them to motivate them um, to heal themselves. So patient-centered care, now the patient's in the middle. It's not the doctor telling you what to do. So she uses a great example when she talks about this. Is you know, we go in 100 times and tell the patients, well, you're going to die from smoking, you're going to get lung cancer, you're going to get emphysema, you know, whatever. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has little impact because they've been smoking for 40 years. But when you really question the patient, what's important to this patient, and you find out he's got a five-year-old grandson, and that's the love of his life and how much he loves his grandson, and he starts to realize that, well, wait a minute, um, I probably won't see this grandson graduate if I don't quit smoking. And um, a matter of fact, I can't run very well with my grandson like I'd like to or take him fishing because I'm short of breath because I'm smoking. Now you've created a dynamic for that patient to really give him a reason to quit smoking that's more motivating than his own health is in a way. Um, So now he's taking care of himself more because of his grandson. And so that's what they're doing. They're looking at all these different things that motivate people now because these diseases, like you said, diabetes, um, well, smoking causes all sorts of diseases, bad foods, um, kidney, renal failure. She was talking about that in the VA, they, can, they can't supply all the, by any means, all of the uh, renal dialysis they need and what's projected in the future. She said they could take every VA hospital and they still wouldn't have enough uh, to and, and make it into renal dialysis units, and they still wouldn't have enough. So we've got to get people more connected to themselves and more responsible for their own health. Um, with the changes in healthcare, um, it's going to be very difficult uh, on the road that we're on with the foods that we have now and taking all these medications and things. It, it's, we're just headed down a very catastrophic road, I think. Yeah. Now, do you think people inherently know, I'm reading something and I might have the, the, the years wrong, but they say it takes cancer at least 10 years to develop. And I know for me, the way that I became conscious was through another holistic physician. She sat me down, I was talking to her, and it came to my attention that I might be sensitive to gluten. But it wasn't until she pointed that out. Now I'm just more aware when I eat something, mm-hmm. I'm just more aware of how things make me feel. Does this food make me feel sleepy? Does this food bring my energy down? Or I'm too ramped up. But um, with that, I guess the question I want to ask is, um, 
do we inherently know that we have something before we actually have it, and how important is it for us to pay attention when we're we're eating foods? Well, yeah, to, yeah, to our whole body, and I think that you know they always say the woman makes the healthcare decisions in the family, and um, that it's very important to educate the women in the family because men don't like going to the doctors and things like that. And because we have a cycle, or at least we used to, now they put people, these girls on birth control pills for a year without stopping and they don't have a cycle and whatnot. But because women have a cycle that has affected us, and a lot of us, um, in certain ways, um, I think we're a little bit more, more in tune with our body because we've, we've had to be for a very long time because of that cycle. So, um, but yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. People don't want to, you know, they don't want to take the time to take care of themselves. And there's a, doctors die like 10 years before the general public. So there's a, um, I was just talking to a colleague about having um, a conference on physician self-care, you know, and having a yoga classes and, and, things like that for the physicians because we really, we have to take care of ourselves because if we, um, like the, the mothers and things like that, they have to take care of themselves first because if you're not well, then the whole family goes down, you know, so it it becomes really important. Yeah, I listened to um, Paul Check. He's a big, big fitness uh, guru type guy. And he said, when you go to your doctor, tell your doctor to take your shirt off. <laughs> And if you feel your shirt off, then you, you know that's who you want to listen to. But um, with respect to um, doctors, I just wanted to talk about that because that's just a big pet peeve of mine. Um, and I know you don't do this, but what are you what for the people out there? Give them some advice as far as if they go to a doctor and the doctor says, "Oh, you have this," and then you know it's incurable, or, or you have this, and you, you you mentioned this earlier, you have only three months to live. What would be your first your first instinct if, I'm, if you're dealing with a doctor like that? Uh, run. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. As fast as you can. No. Um, because you know what? Nobody knows how long you have. That's between you and your creator, how long you have to, to be in this carnation and this body that's been created. So um, that would be my first my first inclination. But um, that being said, you know we can think that really badly things about those doctors. Um, but honestly, you know what? <laughs> Probably seventy five percent of the people need to hear something like that to have them be in shock and slow down and pay attention. You know, and so. You know, I always think, for me, my greatest gifts, a lot of them has, have come from my biggest adversaries who ha- probably have treated me the worst because they've taught me a lot of important lessons. So I think with something like that, I mean, first of all, take in the information and sit down with yourself and take an inventory. What's important to you? What would you like for the outcome for this to be? And um, to, you know, pray and um, I would say, you know, there's in many different forms asking me, shall receive, and there's um, that's in 
almost all religions, spiritual texts, um, even in quantum physics, you know, um, so more of a scientific point of view, all of those are pointing to that. So just um, that would be my... And as a matter of fact, I was talking to the chief of um, medicine at University of Miami, who's an oncologist, a couple of years ago, and he was telling me that there was a study that was done with residents who the women had breast biopsies, and they didn't know if they had cancer or not. And they were interviewed before they got the results. So the resident didn't know if they had cancer, and the patient didn't know if they had cancer. And when they were interviewed, they found the ones who said, I don't have cancer, um, more significantly more, did not have cancer. The ones who said, if I do, I'm going to fight it, and really meant that, they had better outcomes. So there, are, there is definitely a psychological, there's a spiritual component to all diseases. We just have never, we don't talk about it, we don't honor it. But if you look at Native American medicine or Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine or naturopathic medicine, they all honor it and talk about it. And we're beginning to in Western medicine and medical schools today. Now, does consciousness mean learning about your condition? Because one thing that kills me with people, Dr. Lafferty, is people will come out of the blue or they'll send me something or say, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And I know that they're asking me advice. And then I'm like, okay, we have this big thing called the Internet, and you can go on and kind of Google anything that you want. And it's very um, disheartening to me when I uh, talk to people in this they don't want to find out anything about what they have. Have you found in your practices working with patients that are more educated, is there a more of an edge versus someone that just comes in there and says, here, Dr. Lafferty, I want you to uh, take care. I know I have cancer. I know I have diabetes. I just want you to deal with it. You, you just take it from me, and you deal with it, and you tell me what to do. I wouldn't say I probably never had a cancer patient like that because um, they've had, you know, most of the patients that uh, that come to me, and, and it's funny, I used to ask my students, what did you see when they would rotate through my clinic? What did you see at the end of your experience? They'd be there a month, and they say, well, most of these patients have seen five doctors, and you told them that they would get help and get better and they believed you and they have gotten better so I think that, I think that um, you know there's um, and I wouldn't even have doctors say because they, they would say you do things I haven't seen other people do before um, but the information's out there it's even in the medical library we're just not there's over 10,000 articles on the antimicrobial effects of garlic, for instance, you know, and uh, doctors aren't trained to look at, go to the medical library and look at antimicrobial effects of garlic. So all this information, there's so much scientific information about spirituality, about the mind creating disease, about the placebo effect, all these things, but they're not taught in medical school. They're taught uh, more about, drugs and fear and whatever. So, you know, they, they have to, the doctors are beginning to expand their consciousness. I see a whole different shift 
than in five years ago with doctors that I worked with. They're, and the younger ones even more. So it's a very interesting time in medicine. I think we're all having your shows like this, what I think we're all having an effect. And, and if you've ever read, you know, um, young Jungian psychology and things, the collective unconscious. So the more we become conscious, our unconscious starts programming these these things and it starts happening for people. How do you, you mentioned fear a bunch of times on, the, on this uh, podcast, but how do you get someone out of a fear-based mindset? If they come to you and they, um, they have, a disease, or they've been, this, they've seen four or five people, and obviously they're going to be scared and going to be in fear. How do you go about getting out of that that fear-based mindset? Um, I my biggest thing is to have them do a meditation, and to have them feel their creator because you feel that energy of all there is, and you know that you're connected to that always. And when you feel that, that's that's just pure power and empowerment and you know that anything's possible from that state and that's the most important thing of all to to know that you are a spiritual being that you are connected to your creator that ask and you shall receive anything is possible um there's nothing uh, i call it god it doesn't matter what you call but there's nothing god cannot do it's not even possible because that life force energy, whether it's a pulsing energy, it's a vibration energy, whatever that is, um, it's in everything. And we know that. If we go and look at quantum physics today or we look at the electromagnetic fields that they're fine, you know, we know that. So I think that that's the most important thing because to feel that there's some, you have some power. When you go and they, you, a doctor tells you you've got three months to live, there's no power in that if you align with that. He's just told you, you there's nothing you can do. And I totally don't believe that. You are connected to your creator at all times, and that's between you and your creator, your soul. So you have to do what they call soul searching to create a different reality for yourself. Yeah, for for someone that's out there that <clears throat> might be listening to this, what um, I'm thinking of someone who's always getting sick. I rarely ever get sick. I haven't been sick in, in a while, but that's because I just don't entertain the thought. But have you seen or work with anyone that's always getting sick, and, and what do you think is behind that? That would be me. That would have been me <laughs> 20 years ago. So, yeah, and I had a fun- I figured out that when I got sick as a child, my parents my parents were very busy working and in their own melodrama, if you will. So when I got sick, I got to go to my grandma. And in my grandmother's house, I was, you know, my forehead was padded. My soup, I got homemade soup. I laid on the couch. She doted on me, paid attention to me. It was wonderful being sick. I got just pure uh, love from my grandmother, you know. So I realized that I had a pattern um, of getting sick when I needed to take care of myself. And I think a lot of us, if we were conscious about it, like I would just run myself ragged to the point where I was sick. 
really sick, and then I'd, I'd have to go get a surgery or I'd have the flu for two weeks or, or whatever, and it was the only way I gave my – and the, the other part, part of that was my father would give us kudos when we worked hard. So it was programmed, you know, basically you want love from your parents, you work hard. So if you want love from your grandmother, you get sick. <laughs> so, you know, those are the patterns I had to first identify and say, wait a minute, I can call in and just take a personal day off or I can lay in bed and read a book if I want on Sunday or, you know, I can take care of myself without myself getting sick. I don't need to do that, and I don't need to make myself feel guilty if I'm not working 24 hours a day. So, you know, all of those things, I had to go through um, soul-searching for myself, and I I hardly ever get sick anymore since I did that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't either. Uh, would you say um, behind these diseases <laughs> is a, uh, a stress the main component behind a lot of disease? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, stress. And I really think it's a program. Like I said, if you saw your grandmother die from breast cancer and you saw your mother die when you're five years old, let's say from breast cancer, you are going to think you're going to get breast cancer. I mean, you're going to be stressed out probably your whole life from that until the point where you will probably get it so but recognizing start the first step and I think 90% of the road to recovery is going wow you know I'm making myself sick so I can lay in bed and take care of myself and nurture myself like my grandmother did you know and I don't need to get sick to do that anymore you know and I'm going to give myself permission to baby myself uh, and not get sick, (laughs) you know. So I think that recognizing, because most of us live unconscious on all of those energy patterns that run through us. So the first step and the biggest step and the most powerful step is recognition of those patterns, because then you can shift them. Now you're conscious of those, those, those things that run our life. Yeah, I used to be really guilty of um, guilty of taking vacations or um, feeling guilty because I took vacations. And I'm like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, I'm feeling guilty because I, I take a vacation because you're so programmed to work, work, work in our society. And I remember I used to work for this company, and they were um, a foreign company. We were actually Austrian, and they gave us two weeks vacation right off the bat. And I'm like, oh my god, what a, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> I had two weeks of vacation, and, and I'm yeah. paid for two weeks. And it's like, you know, American companies, you have to work almost a year before you get three or four days of vacation. But I, I got over that real quick with uh, being able to getting feeling guilty about taking vacations. But you um, know, and we, I want to say one little thing. You know, we talk. That's mm-hmm. great, by the way. But we talk about stress. And it's really, some people work great and thrive under stress. It's really how do we handle the stress. That's the most important thing. How do we handle our stress? Because yeah. you even your immune system needs stress in order to work. So, um, you know, it's always, life is about a balance, the yin and the yang, the stress and the peacefulness, whatever. It's, it's, it's a... It's opposites, and how do we balance those? 
that's the most important. How do you balance it? But there, there, isn't there good stress and bad stress? I know for me, whenever I'm about to queue up to, to go on the blog talk radio, I get a little bit nervous. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm just a little bit nervous. But if it's a different situation, like let's say, for instance, something happens or I'm in an argument or something like that, it's a different type of stress. And I think people need to recognize that if I'm, if I'm correct, there's good stress and then there's, there's bad stress. Am I correct by saying that? Yeah, and you know what I what I think I hear you say, and <clears throat> when I'm thinking about that, is I think it's empowerment or disempowerment. So you're you're having a stressful situation, but it's because you are empowered to have this show, and you want to make it as good as it can be. So that's that's one type of a stressful thing but you have total power over the situation of your show. Now, when I heard you say you couldn't get on and your computer crashed, I'm sure that was a different kind of stress for you. It was stress, but you had no power because that computer's down. There's nothing you can do at that point. And so I think that that is the difference, even with the disease. And if I have any message, I you know, I went out and I meditated and prayed before I came on. I said, I hope that I can help someone that's listening tonight. And if there's any message out there, I think the message would be just um, just that, is um, how can you shift not being empowered or feeling not empowered to empowered? I think that that's the biggest thing and that there's always a way. Yeah, through everything. Yeah. There's always a way. What about people out there? And I know, I mean, I've been through this situation. I know a ton of people are going through this situation. What would be your advice from a, a health standpoint of someone who's in a job that they don't like and is continuously stressing them out? Do you see people like that? And, and what do you try to do in, in that situation? For me, what I try to do is feel empowered because you are empowered because the only really the only thing we really are empowered every minute is how we choose to experience something so we can have something show up in our space i'm trying to think of an example of something that uh, that i could use but i guess i always tell people this example i can tell the exact same information to two women and one wants to kill themselves and the other one is the happiest day of their life and that would be you're pregnant so it could be a 16 year old who thinks that you know she wants to go to the university and go to medical school and now she's projected out that being pregnant she can do none of that it's ruined her life her life is over it's the worst moment of her life The other person could be a 40-year-old that had tried to get pregnant for 15 years, and it's the most joyful thing that she's ever experienced. And so then we could see those same two women a year later, and we could see this young girl, mother's helping her take care of it. Um, She got a scholarship to college. She's figured out a way to go. She's really happy. She's got great friends, great support system. And we can see the 41-year-old woman who hasn't slept because the baby's crying all the time, and she's saying, oh, my God, you know, why did I do this? This is awful at my age. You know, so 
how are we choosing to experience that situation? Just like if somebody said, you're going to die from cancer in three months, how are you going to experience that? Okay, wake up call. Um, I don't think I'm choosing to do that. I'm going to go in prayer and meditation. I'm going to go talk to some people that I feel good about that will help me see this more clearly. So I have some support. I'm going to um, do an inventory of my life, what isn't supportive in my life, what could be causing this on a spiritual, mental, and physical level. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to look for different types of healers, maybe somebody that's more positive than that, maybe somebody that's dealt with this and has had a different outcome. Um, you know, and I'm now empowering myself to go find some solutions. Yeah, or we yeah. can just, or you can say, okay, that's it, it's over. I have no power, and I'm going to feel awful and for the rest till the end of my life. I mean, it's up to you what you choose, and that's the I think the most powerful message of all. Um, I was having a problem with something, some something at work, and um, I started talking to another. A doctor who was having problems with her boss or something. And as I was counseling her, I said, because I was saying to her, can you imagine the stress your boss is under? Because we're under a certain amount of stress, but they're under 10 times more stress than us because they have all these other people we don't even have to deal with. I mean, how blessed are we that we don't have to deal with all these other layers of bureaucracy? We're just dealing with them. And imagine what it must be like for them. And so as I was saying that, I just totally released any type of negative feeling I had on my situation and just started feeling so blessed. And it was funny because that the whole situation totally resolved itself like that day that I, I was having a problem with. And so I think that, you know, can you look at your situation as a blessing or are you always focused on it as a curse? Because you're always with yourself. So changing yourself, not the situation, not your location. People, a lot of people keep trying to move and change locations, and they keep running into the same result. Well, the only common denominator is them. So really, the only person you really can change is yourself and how you choose to experience something. Yeah, and I only had the show for an hour, so we're about to get cut off, um, and I didn't have any more oh, questions. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I should have did the show for longer, but I didn't want to keep you too long. But any closing words for the audience out there, Dr. Laffney? No, I just bless everyone. Thank you for um, listening, and my prayer to everyone is that, you know, you go tonight in your bed and just really connect with yourself and just give yourself a big hug and feel yourself connected to your creator because um, that you can never feel bad when you go to that space. And I hope I've helped someone out there this evening. Yeah, good message. And thank you for being on, Dr. Laffrey. Hopefully I'll have you back on in the future. And I want to call you because I have some good news for you. So I'll call you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Good show tonight. I hope you learned something. 
We will be on uh, next Wednesday. Show will be on. I will have Trish Sheldon. We'll be talking about genetically modified organisms. You don't want to miss that show because a lot of people don't know about it. So tune in next week. Same fat time, same fat channel. This is Darren McDuffie, Fat Man. I'm out. Peace.